Holiday talking more or less. HTML is brought to you by the fine folks here at cageclub.me for all things movies, music, media, comics, holidays, and more. Check out cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Well, you know the season is merry and bright And it's the HTML holiday special time Geek together and Jonah bringing you that holiday smile Also, Joey Here at the Cage Club Network, especially around the holidays, we like to think of the special times and the special people in our lives and how we want to honor them. There is, of course, nothing more important to us here at cageclub.me than honoring people with wasteful white nonsense. Mm. And there is nothing more wasteful white nonsensey than gift wrapping. <laughs> But if only there was some way to share this wasteful white nonsensiness with our amazing family, like our wonderful Jonah and our incredible friend Joey. But maybe there is. If only there was some sort of freeform way we could podcast <laughs> about tearing into the holidays and unwrapping a smile. We've taken this as far as it can go. Hey, everybody, I'm Nico. Next bit. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house. Not a creature was breathing. Everything was bleeding. It was a rap battle nightmare. I'm Nico. And I'm Kevo. And this is a very special holiday HTML. Of course, it wouldn't be the holidays without people whose legs we need to cut off to get the stockings from. What? No. So <laughs> we're going to cut off Jonah and Joey's legs. I Jolly jolly. No, I'm not responding. You keep going with that. Welcome to a very special holiday HTML. It wouldn't be a holiday without your family. And of all the families we could have, we're stuck with this one. And by, of course, stuck with this one, I mean there is no one I would rather sit in a car garage and do car fumes. That's the plot of those movies, right? The Fast and the Furious. Joey, welcome from everything on this network. Thank you so much. Yeah, you and Kevo, I think we'll find out in two laps. Lap seven, I think you will be on in some regard for every episode on Too Fast, Too Forever. So I am excited for you to do car fumes in two laps. A number of those gentlemen i would love to sit on my lap and see what happens so i am very excited for these movies i think there's like no episodes of this network i appear on at this point without this guy jonah all the way from x's for podcast hey thanks for filling up our stockings with some sexy jonah hi yes i am the very sexy jonah uh i am the christmas elf of this podcast so you're our joe are you oh boy you are a far sexier christmas elf than joe could ever oh uh, uh, uh. now <laughs> kevin is of course bringing up the we can only hope holiday tradition yes that's going to creep its way into our lives like many great traditions before it like the hunger games the hearts and minds of the american family must be affected by the amazing glorious needless wasteful reality competition series from freeform known as rap battle so to explain for everybody who isn't aware of this what they did was they 
they went around the country and they found nine people who best represented wastefulness <laughs> and they herded them into a van so they could sacrifice them to the great scissor god Cthulhu and the I, plot the plot of this and then there were none of holiday proportions is these nine people have to out gift wrap each other but I think even that is not an accurate description because I feel like most of these activities they do are not gift wrapping as much as just like generic not, arts not, and crafts. They're not challenges, they're activities. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It was, at times, it was a little bit very Jolly Holly Hobby. These people were sent to day camp by their families. It turned out that this was gift wrap camp, and it was important that everybody gets to play. So, this show aired for three weeks on Freeform, and for all of the humor I'm tearing into it, this might have been the most gripping piece of theatrical art I've seen since I discovered Henrik Ibsen's A Doll's House. The thing that I keep saying to people is that we with Jonah have watched a 11 seasons of Project Runway in five months, and this is still some of the highest, most needless drama I have ever seen on reality competition, and that's all inside of three weeks. I really wasn't expecting this much drama about paper and, you know, the joy of gifting, but it was insane. They were very vicious to one another. So cutthroat for an industry that is about so much cutting. To understand the format of this show, Cheryl Underwood hosted, along with Carson Cressley, who sort of is like a gay Christmas elf anyway, <laughs> along with Wanda Wen, who had more poison and grace in the face of this nonsense than anyone should ever have. And each episode began with a swift gift challenge, which was 45 minutes to an hour, followed by a main gift off, which was anywhere from three hours to 24 straight hours of rapping through the night. Of course, it was rife with rap puns and... Uh... I mean, when it turned into some sort of weird anti-bullying PSA halfway through, it, it was it was. Riveting. I don't think there's anywhere better to start on a show like this than with the cast. We have a quick breakdown of everybody. There was Joe, the little gay elf, who was an event coordinator from Cincinnati, Ohio. Parker, the self-described OG gangster rapper, who was an insurance agent from the ATL. There was Agla, the folded napkin star queen, who isn't here to make friends, who owns the elite pre-folded napkins company. And they're all afraid of her creativity. Oh, are no. they afraid ever? No, are they afraid? so afraid. There was Kimberly, who I referred to as the PTO ho 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 also from Atlanta somehow <laughs> there was Gigi who I could only describe as her own woman who is some sort of paper artist from Cleveland Ohio there's Eddie a queer bully who is a trend setting gift wrapping magazine editor from Wayne PA he worked for Martha Stewart and felt the need to bring it up a lot there was Anthony who's Italian trust us he makes jewelry for drag queens from Richmond Rhode Island and he should call me because he's gorgeous right there was Mia and I guess this is her career she's the gift wrapping she does this for a living yeah she's the gift wrapping goddess from atlanta everybody's from atlanta so she's the gift wrapping goddess from atlanta she's the owner of that's a rap atlanta have you caught atlanta are we sponsored by the city of fucking atlanta we should be not until they're cool with abortions <laughs> you have one more person <laughs> rap battle critique getting real up in here anyway then there's my personal favorite the one i began backing the minute the show began rolling anita who 
I describe as that white lady in a good way. She's a Dallas gift wrapper from Yugoslavia. I guess I should explain that. She currently lives in Dallas where she wraps gifts, but she's from Yugoslavia. And for the record, all joking aside, she told a story in the charity episode that actually brought a tear to my eye. My parents are involved in a lot of charities like that. So growing up, it was always really important to my family that like we go and do sort of like Toys for Tots drives and show up at people's houses with things. And she was the recipient of a similar program and it really highlighted why I love these shows. So Anita, from the beginning, when when Anita started friend of the pot, Anita, this, friend of the pot, Anita. You were my favorite from the beginning. Gigi, you were right up there. And Anthony, I will take you out to the Olive Garden and you can tell me how Italian you are over some <laughs> Zupa Toscana. No, 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 no. Hold on. You take him to Olive Garden if you want him to point out how wrong the menu is. You can be in charge of where we take him, Jonah. So now I understand that Kevo and Jonah and I have an extensive background in craftsy reality show. <laughs> Joey, craftsy reality, <sighs> wrapping things. Talk to me. Were you comfortable with any of this, basically? Here's my like almost entire competition reality history. I saw one season of America's Next Top Model with friends in college, because they were all into it. I was like, I'll watch one. Picked the winner. They all hated the winner. I don't remember who won. I just found her the most attractive, and she won. Slam dunk. I saw one episode. I mean, that's the game. Was, was, say it again? Go ahead. I mean, that's the game. That is the game, and I picked it. I was, I was right. I've seen two episodes, I think, of RuPaul's Drag Race. I think ever. Um, I've watched every episode of MasterChef, which is crafty food. I've seen nearly every episode of Cutthroat Kitchen, Tyler Florence's Great Food Truck Race, Worst Cooks. We watch a lot of cooking. Oh, I've seen the first seven seasons of Top Chef. We watch a lot of cooking shows in this house. Oh, and we loved Making It with Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. Oh, yeah. Oh, also, I saw the episode of Nailed It where they did arts and crafts. So I saw that. And I also, why didn't we cover Nailed It? Why aren't we talking about Nailed It? Like, that's a show that I enjoy this one, I don't know when to pick my spots here, but I hate this show with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. <laughs> Only a thousand? <laughs> I hate almost everything about this show, and I I am only here because I love the three of you, and I want to talk about this with the three of you, but, like, this show is, I, I don't even know how to describe the way that I cannot connect with this show. I don't want to spoil who wins, because we're going to walk everybody through it over these next uh, three episodes or whatever. I was happy, I think, in the end, but I don't, I, uh, man, I have so many notes that are just, like, me in confusion and anger and just, it, mostly confusion. Like, I don't know who these people... I don't. Also, here's another thing. I don't recognize <laughs> a single person on this show. I I know of Queer Eye. I've never seen that guy in my life. Oh no, I know. Me too. I barely recognize Carson Kreisley. Oh well, that's because he's got a lot of work done. No, I mean I barely recognize him as a celebrity. I I get where Joey's coming Wait, from. Wait, are we implying that the best rap job on this is Carson Kreisley's? <laughs> <laughs> the like the biggest confusion I have is that apparently there are rock stars in the gift wrapping community that they are all so excited because there's the confessionals. They're like, oh my god, it's her, it's her, it's her. I watch her all the time. I'm like, I don't know, I don't even know where to begin. Like, this is so far out of my wheelhouse that man, oh man, I am just, I have so many questions about so many things. Here's what I will say as someone who is generally not someone I've never seen an episode of Drag Race or Top Model. I only started watching Project Runway in the first place because I knew it was something that. Nico loved and it's something that I can respect because I know that fashion is like a major industry we all wear clothes and I might not understand these very dramatic people who do it but I also don't really understand theater people even though I know a lot of them I so 
I understand in terms of viewing art that people take seriously that I don't as an outsider, and wrapping paper is definitely, definitely ridiculous, but, like, I can respect when their packages look pretty as someone who has seen things on Facebook that I've been like, yeah, that's a really cute, like, wrapping idea. I think that these people's personality is so over the top. I think anyone who can afford one or more wrapping paper rooms, oh, wow, it's still less ostentatious than some other reality competitions that I couldn't even give a remote chance. There are some baking reality competitions where I've been like, no, you live in a literal mansion. I don't want to watch you compete at anything because you're already winning at everything. A lot of the people who were on this show were like nobodies still. They love a world that I cannot possibly fathom, but they were at (laughs) least not like literally people from the capital in the Hunger Games. Candy Spelling comes on. I know of her because I know Aaron Spelling because everybody knows Aaron Spelling, but I think they say that she has three gift wrapping rooms. And I was like, I yeah. I don't know who you are, but I don't like anyone who has three gift wrapping rooms. She has three gift wrapping rooms, but no love in her heart for her daughter. She likes super abuse Tori Spelling. And I'm like, how can you fangirl over this celebrity when I don't know anything about her gift wrapping career, but I sure as hell know about her personal life. And, like, that makes me hate the wrapping paper industry even more. Goddamn. Big paper is totally in the corner of abusive mothers. Bring down big paper. Apparently. I will say, though, (laughs) the girl that I was dating last summer, when she and I would walk around towns, we can tell that a town is well off when they have a gift wrapping store. If there's enough demand in a town for there to be an entire storefront dedicated to gift wrapping, there's a lot of presumably middle-aged white women with a lot of disposable income and a lot of time on their hands. Just say Kimberly. And then if you find a town with more than one of these stores, you have hit the mother load. Like, this is the ultimate in everything bad. Everything, just too much time, too much money, not enough actual, you know, wants or cares in the world. Like, the entire gift wrapping industry boggles my mind. I also hate wrapping presents. I'm not good at it. I don't like doing it. I like buying gifts when I can come up with good ideas. I do not like wrapping them. I am already dreading having to wrap gifts this year. I do not understand, and I do not trust anyone who likes wrapping gifts this much. <laughs> wow, hot take. So you think anybody who's into wrapping should get wrapped up in a straight jacket? Anyone who's into wrapping this anybody much? Anybody who's into yes. wrapping this much, their parents should have wrapped it up. I like that. So, Jonah, Jonah, since you seem to also think that everybody involved in the production of this show is terrifying, tell me a little bit about your own holiday gift wrapping procedure. Are you a wrapper? Are you a bagger? I prefer a nice decorated bag, and I love a lot of tissue paper because I love the sound it makes, <laughs> yes. and I feel like it gives you a false sense that there's something better inside. That makes me sound so horrible. I like it. I like it. I don't like wrapping myself. I agree with Joey. They're going to talk about their perfect creases every single episode. I cannot tell you how annoyed I get that I can't do that. So no, I don't like wrapping anything. This is just so excessive and not necessary. It's almost like a weird fever dream. Let's take that weird fever dream to the next night of Christmas. Because after they pour these nine tortured souls into this van, this horrible, gaudy, flashy party bus that, frankly, I think must be a road hazard. Absolutely. Once they corral them in as if they don't know they're on their way to the Capitol, they get them into this gorgeous studio room. It's so brightly lit and it's 
so pristine and clean. It kind of looks like the set of the early 90s America's Funniest Home Videos, where it's that completely white sitcom living room. Mm, or a Dexter Kill room. Oh yeah. That's... Sure. Yeah. So they get them in there, and they tell them their first challenge is a swift gift challenge, in which the nine of them are each going to be assigned to wrap a gift for the other competitor, the gift being the wrapping. You see, that's the most important part of this show. There are no gifts. The gift is the wrap. The wrap is the gift. One time there's gifts. This is true. Anita designs for Anthony. She decides because he's wearing like a dark green shirt and she thinks he's masked. She should go super rustic and woodsy. And yeah, she thinks he's super masked. He's even like that you see this in me. Thank you. And baby, I see a lot in you. There was like a flowery bow and stuff. But I actually thought it was a really good job and I thought to myself I could maybe get behind this show. I really like the nice job Anita did for Anthony. It was very geometric. I knew at that moment I was an Anita fan and I was backing Anita from the get-go. From there, we got the first sort of like weird clash of the gays in this <laughs> confrontational gay-only code. Basically, what Joe said was classic style, also bottoms cheap. Because Joe did not finish the bottom of his box, and even I was like, yo, that shit looks bad. I definitely called it naked like five seconds before Cheryl called it naked, which was hysterical for me. And then Eddie was like, it's fun. It's fun. Oh my god. Fun is like the meanest thing you can say to another gay person it's like telling a rocker that they're cool eddie says i don't trust anybody who says fun which is so the fact that he says it in this episode is ridiculous he will later use that adjective of describing what he wants to do for the main challenge and i thought it was hysterical speaking of hysterical the weirdest alliance is formed in this next moment and i didn't see it happen here but kimberly designs for agla and she designs this elegant fashionable boring I my note literally says really underwhelming so of course she likes it she it's mostly a plain white box with a dress form stencil on it y- yeah nothing really extraordinary but it does give a, f- a hint as to why Olga later on in the episode is actually a really good draper because she did fashion design for a while and <laughs> I oh that's a really good point then that explains a lot why she is so obsessed with all of her like little ruching and making her little, like, accent pieces. Don't forget, you can unfold her napkins five different ways. I looked into it, actually. Olga has one type of napkin. It's 10 for $25, and they come in two colors, either champagne or red. That is this napkin empire that keeps getting referred to throughout these episodes. That's all there is to it. She's like vanilla cookie lion, and she's gonna come in and snatch your napkin napkin right off the table and it's all like pictures of like new york city penthouses like it's the whole room but like her napkins are the napkin on the table you know i know that uh reception to olga in this room is mixed at best Uh, i believe that i am probably the biggest fan of olga and i think that i am uh not exactly a huge fan of olga however i think that she's probably the most interesting person in terms of her backstory in terms of her character development if you want to call it that i think she's probably got the most interesting story and i I think, Nico, what you hinted at, the, the Olga-Kimberly dynamic alliance whatever is one of the most interesting things, and we're going to get to that when we get to that in the later episode, when there is, like, the big drama of the series. But it's I, I totally forgot that they were, in a way, paired up here that sets the bar, sets the stage for later. So I think this is, this is one to keep an eye on. That's why we watched this twice. Yes, let that sink in. 
Ben. We're those fans. So then we get Anthony designing for Joe. And basically, Joe has big hair. So Anthony made a big poofy hair. It's like tiny little box and giant asymmetrical poofy bow. And Joe loves it. I'm surprised he didn't cry at it. Yeah. If I, there's times I'm just shocked he doesn't float away. You know what I mean? (laughs) At that point, we find out that Agla has designed for Parker. And I don't know how else to put it, but here's what I dislike the most about Agla, I think. There is nothing about her bow that says anything about Parker. Yes. It is exclusively, I'm here to show off my princess bow. But that's also true of almost everyone on the show, that Joe does his trademark, what do they call it, his patented fan? Oh, God, what's the, what's the exact? His trademark, his trademark fan. fan. His his trademark they fan. all, and somebody has, like, their boxes is their thing? Like, everybody on the show does not seem good at what they do. <laughs> They're the best at what they do in the nation, okay? They are the best at what they do, and what they do is terrible. This is the gift wrap Olympics, okay? Would you go up to Flojo and say, you're not very good at what you do? No. So until you're creasing and folding so goddamn tight that they can't get back out of the present, I don't want to hear it. God. I will say, though. No respect for art. One thing that I really liked about the show that they seem to have abandoned entirely in this episode is, I think it's this episode, and I think it's later in the episode, but there are certain certain ways that they describe paper, thickness, thinness, the way that they're working the paper, that is interesting. Like, it's a, it's a attention to the craft in a way that I've never heard described before. And they almost never come back to that after this episode. It's like, oh, we don't care about, like, these people, like, showing off what they're good at and knowing what they're talking about. Let's just have them be, like, weird, dumb drama, which I guess is the point of a reality Let's show. Let's focus on the paper drama. Yeah, they only come back to that again when they're talking about the Japanese paper technique. But, like, that was... I don't know if any any of you appreciated that or liked that the way that I did, but I was actually interested, like, when they're wrapping something soft, she's like, well, I'm going to use this hard paper because it's going to blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, huh, that's fascinating. And then they just never even approach it again until the Japanese paper. Yeah, that was Anita who had some of those cool tips, and she was my favorite. I'm going to keep Anita, friend of the podcast, Anita. If you have a brand, I will. if you could just, like, send me a T-shirt, I would love to pimp your stuff. I just love you, okay? So we got Mia for Gigi, which... I kind of felt like started the weird ball rolling on, oh my god, Mia loves to put a bunch of things in one place. Well, you know, she does this for a living, so. She definitely got that Gigi likes sparkly things. It looks very elephant love medley, but, and this I didn't notice until looking at my notes this time, but this starts a continued trend of people loving to use pink, purple, and red for Christmas stuff. And like, I I don't, that does not scream Christmas to me, and it's a color scheme that people keep going back to all fucking season and i do not get it we then had parker designed for kimberly which like this was um art to me personally i thought it was really pretty but there was nothing gift wrapping about it very plain very subtle for sure i thought it was a boating advertisement made out of color forms and i just didn't get gift wrapping from it but i loved it so okay we need to talk about eddie ah. eddie is without a doubt one of the most talented people i have ever seen have a talent at something I didn't know could be a talent. Eddie's design for Mia was beautiful. Eddie is very good at what he does. Eddie slowly unhinges as the camera is put on him. Like, it's sort of, how do I explain it? Okay, watching Eddie on this show is like watching Azula slowly lose it all throughout the course of Avatar (laughs) The Last Airbender. By the end, when he's literally running and looking into the camera going, there's been a change of plans. 
I'm just like, yeah, you're about to cut off all your hair and fight Katara. He is a lot. There is a point, and I again, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there's a point at the end where they have to do a thing that's basically a TV performance. And Eddie says, this is so out of my comfort zone. And I'm like, you're literally on a television show right now. How is this out of your comfort zone? <laughs> so do you think he was playing it feeble and dropping? Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. You're absolutely right, though. Jonah, Jonah, I have to know, when I saw Gigi's design for Anita, and like, what were the words Anita wanted? Like, queen bitch. Queen and, bee. Like, queen bee. Queen bee and like, diva. And what she got was like, the box the sex toys come in at the hourly motel when you get the Cupid room. And I'm like, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. I can only imagine the noise you made when you saw that. I am a notorious fan of RuPaul's Drug Race, and Carson Kressley has become a judge in later seasons. He's been a really good addition. But when Carson gets confused by something, and he like doesn't understand why someone did that, he'll open his mouth like a fish, like he's trying to capture flies, and he'll just turn his head and he'll just kind of like stare at you, which is what I love. So when Carson Kressley is incredulous, he's a Gyarados. Yes, he was not buying anything that Gigi was selling, and it was one of the funniest interactions to watch Gigi scramble to try to show her idea, and nobody, nobody got it, nobody liked it, and that is why I love Gigi. (laughs) But this was a nightmare. It looked like a bad piñata. It absolutely was. It's unfortunate because I do think that Gigi does have talents, especially we're going to see in the later episodes. It was the start of Gigi so viciously marching to the beat of her own drum, she didn't know how to rein it in, and thankfully it only happened in the Swift Gift Challenge, and they were like, uh, and she was like, oh, okay, I gotta rein it in. On Degrassi Holiday High, she's clearly the girl who has to be a part of the art club. She doesn't want to do the normal girl thing, and she goes to the prom in a t-shirt of a tuxedo. But she spray paints meat as murder on the back. She's sending a lot of mixed signals. But she has misspelled all three words. No regrets. However, there might have been some regrets for anyone who wasn't Anita, Anthony, or Eddie. As the three of them took the top honors, they were put on the nice list. Ugh. Yeah, get ready for the pause, right? So ultimately, Anita wins because Anita's the best. And there's a round of Santa Claus. <laughs> there's a round of Santa Claus. <laughs> For winning, Anita gets to choose who will wrap the weirdest item in the next challenge and her own item first. So the next challenge is there are 10 unusually shaped items which must be wrapped in a presentation format that does not hide their shape, but rather embraces it as a part of the decor itself. Anita gives herself a playhouse, a child-sized playhouse, and assigns my precious Anthony this bizarre... Like, coin-operated rocket ship that you don't give people. You don't give people that. (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing you could buy outside of silver spoons. Yeah, like, that's like what you put in front of a Toys R Us. made the right choice in person for giving this disadvantage to? That he also had to ride it for ten minutes. No, which absolutely did something to me. Yeah, Merry Christmas. So, the setup here has Kimberly take on a giant teddy bear. Eddie receives a weight bench, probably the first weight bench Eddie's received in his life. Agla gets a cactus. Anita gets a playhouse. Mia got a fucking lawnmower, which we're gonna get into because, like... (laughs) 
<laughs> like I literally didn't even understand how she wrapped. Like I literally it was like it looks like a lawnmower. Anyway, oh, it made me so mad. Uh, Gigi got a barbecue grill. Joe received a bicycle, which Joe's pitch for that bicycle was the most annoying catchphrase ever. Anthony got the rocket ship, and Parker got a foosball table, which she tried disguising as a foosball table under some crap. <laughs> Okay, so we have to take this in order. Kimberly, I gotta be honest, Kimberly is not my favorite competitor, but I didn't know you could wrap a giant teddy bear so that it looks like a wooden soldier. Giant teddy bear, like, she used the paper as part of the item itself in a really creative way that kind of challenged what I thought about wrapping as an art. Absolutely. The biggest thing for me was the lack of face. I found that maybe just a little creepy, but uh, the fact that you could move that thing around and the paper wouldn't break, amazing job and she did it in three hours which can we talk about like doesn't this three hours seem like a ridiculous amount of time to anybody else like i know that they're doing a lot of work but it also feels like that's a lot of time it doesn't it doesn't i think because what they're looking for is a design they're not just looking for you to do something they also have to create the design aesthetic based on the items available to them part of what these competitors are working at in terms of an advantage or disadvantage is everybody has the same materials allotted to them so one of the things i found really fascinating was in reference to what you said earlier about people talking about the materials there's a challenge later on where joe flat out says i've never worked with a paper that you can iron or sew before and it was really fascinating to see what some of these people can do where people would use a constructive dynamic where they would like build something as opposed to just wrapping honestly three hours could seem like a lot but i feel like a lot of these competitors used it and three hours is also coming up with the design that you're going to do doing all of the physical labor for it and especially with items that are this big and we saw a few times throughout the series where competitors had to completely scratch what they were originally going to do and come up with something brand new halfway through or more now i have to be really honest again this guy is like like the basquiat of of gift wrapping because he starts out so amazing and then like gives into the drug-fueled nightmare that slowly takes his life but eddie's weight bench as a gift wrapping station very clever straight the fuck out of disney's cinderella it really did seem like an oversized magical playset. i felt like it was something like super duper out of an anime jonah it really felt like something out of an x-men comic we would cover over on x's for podcast absolutely did it was probably one of the most ingenious things for a challenge like this i've ever seen i don't know if that's where my mind would have went in that short amount of time between picking your item and getting to actually decorate it and wrap it it was really a cool thing to see and it's the start of eddie's ability to really think on his feet well from eddie thinking on his feet to what i actually think was the worst thing in this entire challenge agla disguised a cactus as a christmas tree (laughs) by wrapping it in green it was a christmas cactus tree christmas tree that is exactly what she's it was but she draped so nicely she didn't even drape that nicely Okay, look, 10 points to Rami over here, but I'm unmoved. However, Anita's Christmas Magic Playhouse, I'm going to be honest, she should have lost for a weird reason. If I found out that my Christmas Magic Playhouse was actually just like a regular playhouse, (laughs) I'd give it back. I would want what she gave me, not the real thing underneath.
underneath to the point where I would have been disappointed with the real thing underneath. That's funny. I think my grade for her rap job was fine. Like, you wrapped this house as like, a house. Like, that's the thing. She ha- I think she had one of the well easiest items to work with, and it, it felt a little uninspired. I feel the same. It's one of those situations that I say when we watch Runway, it's fair to say she was safe, but she definitely didn't deserve to win for that. Okay, well, from uninspired to inspired by huffing paint, what the fuck was Mia's lawnmower creation? It's supposed to be a chimney, but also there's a Christmas village at the base, so that's where it lost me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is a Christmas village lawnmower? I don't, what, is it, what? Is it a ski slope? Or is this like, is this for a fail videos? You can film fail videos with your dog on a skateboard? What's happening? I just, I was very challenged by what I was supposed to be looking at. Joey, did you get any closer to figuring out what the fuck that was supposed to be? No, I have no idea. I am uh, at a loss, because I, I, I look at all of these items, and these are all, I guess that's the point of the challenge, but they're the kind of items that you if you buy someone a foosball table or a lawnmower or whatever, you just put a bow on it, and you're like, that's the gift. Like, it's not the wrapping. Yeah. Like, even, and again, don't want to get ahead of myself, but the final, the final challenge, the final, final challenge where we determine the winner, like, that is the classic, put a bow on it, you're done. Like, <laughs> that's this entire show. I guess that's the point of it, but I'm just, I'm not able to kind of look beyond how to get around something, because I'm like, you just put a bow on it. Well, I have to be honest, and Jonah, I kind of hope, and I, I don't know, we haven't discussed any of this on purpose, right? Jonah, I really hope you agree with me on this. I thought Gigi's barbecue grill as a pastel fiery Yule log was actually like a really beautiful tribute to local access Yule log footage that ran on Christmas. I thought it was just a really sweet idea, even if it was the most tacky, horrible thing I've ever seen. Yes. What I think I liked about Gigi's the most is that she incorporated an element of the gift as a part of her art. It used the the idea of yes. this flame grill having explosions that's pretty cool and it's it's not it, i think it could go awry because it could come off very cheesy and her using different colors and the way she cut everything was really what i think set her apart and what helped her do so well that grill i think was the most impressive and the coolest thing that anybody wrapped maybe the entire show the grill was beautiful in a way that a lot of the other things were not there was a sense of geometry to it that really grounded the gift visually once again to me though a ding is the color scheme it was like this red and pink and orange and purple and that's not to me christmas i really that's as a color artist something that's important to me is the color patterns that we use for the holidays and it would have been cool to see something that was a little more holiday-ish that reflects this season in terms of colors but i loved the concept and i wish we had seen more of that from other people well i think the problem with our next entry is that it was too far in the opposite direction. This next one was like Slenderman meets Candyland meets a pedophile. The bicycle as a bicycle ride down Candy Cane Lane was something out of my fucking nightmare. Once again, though, just decorates the front, not the back. Again, again, bottoms cheap. Yes. I would like to note that, number one, Candy Cane Lane is not a thing. That's number one. Number two... This is the start of Joe using his fans, and here's how I can tell that Joe doesn't watch reality competition shows. When you do something, and then you do it again, and then you do it a third time, you don't do it again after that, because you're going to- Especially when the judges call you out. Yeah, and here, it's fine, I actually do like the way he uses fan. Uh, Wanda actually points out that where he places them on the wheels is pretty cool, but him not covering the entire gift really- 
really was a really big ding for me. And when someone tends to get a lot of screen time, they're either winning or they're going to go home or lose. Joe got a lot of airtime and he was very close to getting the I'm going home edit. I thought the guy who got the I'm going home edit this episode really was Anthony, whose rocket through the sky was very on the nose. It was like he was given a horse and disguised it as a horse in a very unclever way. I put your horse in a horse stable. What? However, I can't even express how I feel about Parker's losing Winter Wonderland. Literally, she immediately undercuts herself by saying I ran out of time as she is finishing describing what she did. She doesn't even give the judges a chance to say anything before explaining she ran out of time. That's never a good sign. What Jonah just said about Joe, I think, is true of a lot of these people, that I feel like a lot of these people have never seen reality shows before, because, like, you don't say things like that. Multiple times in the show, when they ask someone, who should go home, you or them, I think more often than not, they're like, oh, I should go home. It's like, wait, what do you, no, you don't, don't say that. Why are you, why would you say that? Like, I know that maybe you, you feel guilty about something, but it just feels like all of these people, the education level that they, that I feel like we are all just great grounded with from having grown up in the era of reality competition shows like you just know certain things not to say or not to do and it feels like across the board none of these people have any of that you know inherent training this is a heavy psychological take but i wonder if there is an inherent guilt when gift wrapping is your passion and you are like on some level aware of how inherently wasteful that is so you're automatically willing to be like oh it's me it's my fault was anybody else hoping that they were going to open the gifts Because they don't, and I was very disappointed. I've never considered it. I feel you. I really do. Well, I really have to agree that it's possible Parker has never seen a reality show before, because if she has... And she gave this monologue anyway, truly. Because if she had, and she gave this monologue anyway, I think she might be the most earnest person in history. Please hit us with it. This is it. You're at the end of the road, and it's like, it's over. Like, the train is at the station, and it's like, boop, boop. It's not going anywhere else anymore. I just wish I had more time to prove myself, to really showcase what my talents are, what I do, and what I bring through gift wrapping. So this is the end for me in this competition right now, but definitely not the end of me rapping because you know i'm the gangster rapper we gotta keep mixing and scratching it so here we go gangsters are resilient and so dust your shoulders off keep on going that's all you can do and then she walked through giant goddamn scissors and we never saw her again until the finale Someone please put that on a t-shirt for me. (laughs) The whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah, it's an inspirational quote. I want to put it up in a classroom. I kept being like, when is, when is it, when is it over? When is, when is, oh, it's still going. Okay, okay. For a show called Rap Battle, the entire first episode, I was like, you know, this, the show is filled with puns and there's banter in this show that is maybe the worst banter I've ever heard in any show ever. For a show called Rap Battle, the entire first episode, I was like, I can't believe there are no rap puns. Like, this is crazy. And then there's the gangster rapper thing and I I was like, thank God there have not been more rap huns because this is more cringeworthy than I ever thought possible. The most cringeworthy moment in the entire series for me is Carson going, she likes big bows. And it cuts uh... to Cheryl kind of bopping along excitedly. And I'm like, no, don't encourage that. You know better. <laughs> All of you put that away. The top three on the nice list for this challenge were Eddie with his weight bench, Kimberly with her teddy bear, and Olga with her cactus for whatever reason. And the winner was Kimberly with her teddy bear. I get it. I really do. I think of the top three there. She's the only one that I would have been happy with winning. Yeah, it's 
a really deserved win. I was blown away by the transformation with that item. I genuinely understood rapping as an art in that moment. One episode in, Jolly Jonah and Jolly Joey. Tell me, guys, how do you feel about this rap job? Not great. My big, I mean, I was happy with Kimberly to win. I My big question after episode one is how the judging works, because throughout the entire series, it just feels like they are just arbitrarily picking who they want. Like, there are other things, I think, in episode two, we will see that, where, like, there's an indication that, like, oh, someone suggests that this should win, and then the judge is like, no, 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 we're just going to handpick uh, who we think should win. Like, there's there seems to be an arbitrary sense of the rules already, and I am just confused and baffled, but I am glad that my, I guess, favorite Kimberly won the first episode. The first episode was cut pretty fairly. Everybody seemed to have a fair, equal share of screen time, which works out great for those individual people, but part of reality TV is making storylines, and when everybody gets the exact same amount of screen time, you don't give, give enough time for everyone to establish a certain story that you're trying to push along. I agree. I think the only storylines they establish in the first episode are Joe is a drama queen and Olga is weird. And those aren't storylines. No, they're not. Those are personality traits. And it, it was just something that I took note of that the first episode was trying to be fair, but that's not what reality competition is about. It's not really about being fair. It's you're trying to make with what you have, you have to make the best story possible in order for people to enjoy it. And not that I think the first episode fell flat, but you're not going to give me a storyline. You have to make up for it elsewhere. And if anybody is looking for further information on this topic, please see the greatest TV show of all time, Unreal. I actually think the four of us can all agree that it is one of our favorite programs of the last yes, several many absolutely. years. Yeah, absolutely. Sherry Appleby is a goddess. Because Zimmer is a goddess. Jonah, what is the worst possible group of people to bring in to critique on a reality show? Children. Oh, okay. Okay, terrific. Hey, Joey, who did they bring in to critique in the second episode of this reality show? An alien life form that it feels like no one on this show had ever encountered before in their life in the form of children. Okay, cool. And it, and it was that level of alien bizarreness, right? Yeah, Joe is like, I'm 24 years old. I don't have kids. How could I possibly know what they're thinking? It's like, wait, wait what? And my thing is like, you rap kids. Yeah. Yes. I'm not saying that that's the same as, like, being a nanny, but I feel as though you potentially have encountered children through, like, existing in your job. Just being alive and, in the world. And this is one of those examples of you don't have to be very good at your job to be very good at a challenge because they had to work to impress children. That was pretty much it. And I thought this was a rather weird Swift gift challenge. Everybody did something that, again, have you met a child? Just quick before we talk about the challenge, though, I want to say uh, the adorable child that shouted, you look pretty and you look pretty and you look pretty. That was absolutely Nico when he was a baby. Oh, I'm, that was me at like I'm pretty sure it's the same kid who also said his favorite color was canary still. yellow. <laughs> canary yellow. Valentino was his name. And all that kid wanted to do was floss on TV. And I mean, I did not like it, but I, I, I like that he established a brand for himself early on. <laughs> I mean, producers cut. That kid's actually the winner. So, I mean, he is the fan favorite. Okay. They were literally asked what... Yeah, he won the fan favorite contest. They were literally asked how to impress them, and one kid said, Dad. That's also Nico. So, like, Gigi made a prehistoric diorama that I maybe didn't understand, but liked a lot. I thought it was visually appealing. Dinosaurs could be pretty festive. <laughs> 
I guess, but I did not get it. It was this weird, like, flip-flop between far too silly whimsical and far too, like, classy with the silver leaves and then the plastic dinosaur figures. It just, those didn't mesh at all for me. I see what you're saying, Kevo. It's like she dipped into two different worlds, but she should have chose one or the other. Speaking of choices, fucking Agla chose her own dog. And the way she says it is she's like, children love animals so i made gumby she's not wrong like but like everybody knows that's the name of her fucking dog she just talks about the dog so as a matter of factly she's like so i made gumby and i'm like where's the green monster also she has two dogs but she talks way more about gumby she's a bad mom once again mia just kind of piled shit on top of itself yeah i labeled it as random gift pile dog shoe truck toy well candy. mia did have to restart because her original concept didn't work out and the judges did kind of call her out on that, that they said hers looked the most unfinished. Who is the one, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but it's in this comment, who makes a, a Hansel and Gretel box? Because Hansel and Gretel is a story about where children are eaten, and so they think that Hansel and Gretel <laughs> is appealing to children? I don't understand, like, I that don't was understand the logic there. <laughs> well, that was her original concept. <laughs> Oh, that was her original concept. Thank God she cut it then. Yeah. Anita and Joe both sort of went with like extreme. Anita had a geometric explosion and Joe had an explosion of color. Both of them were just trying to really play into get the judge's attention, I guess, after Gigi. And Eddie, Eddie had what I could only describe as candy sugar delicious. Like chicken pox, but make candy. Yeah, okay, yeah. I have a question for the three of you about the judging of this. It feels like all of these, the first challenges, it feels like they really kind of blow through the, what they're showing off very, very quickly. Like, it was so fast. The only thing, you know, like I was saying before, the only real actual history I have with this kind of show is MasterChef, where like literally the, the term food porn exists because they're looking for the money shot. They're like, this is the plate that you just spent, you know, an hour and a half or whatever working on. Let's frame it in all of its glory. Let's describe it let's talk about it like let's taste it they're like this is what we've all been working toward this show it's just like oh yeah look it's a dog oh look here it's this it's like there's it's on screen for two or three seconds and it feels like what they had just spent 45 minutes an hour doing does not matter like if that's not the point of this what's the point of this from watching craft and cooking reality shows like worst cooks in america my understanding is that the first challenge is a much shorter challenge that's meant as somewhere between a warm-up and a shaming exercise. I was going to call it the triumph of the human spirit, but okay. Well, if you do well, it's triumph of the human spirit. But if you don't do well, it's basically just a shaming exercise to give one of them power over the other ones for the big challenge. And I do understand what you're saying. Part of what's even funnier about it is we keep describing this art itself as kind of wasteful. So they're being wasteful in their presentation of wasteful things. I also think the producers realized in the second episode the meat of this show is the nonsense yes because this challenge is where we start to see the gay bitchy nonsense drama especially between eddie and joe so kimberly has a pink explosion tree followed by anthony having mad pastel power ultimately i thought most of these were kind of forgettable Absolutely. But, you know, Kimberly thought she was going to win because she has a kid. Yeah, if she brought up the fact that she was a mom one more time, like that's some kind of badge of honor through life. No, it's a beautiful...
beautiful thing and thank you so much for having a child. But having a child, I have a classroom. I don't have a kid, but I have a classroom. Okay. I'll tell you what, guys. I'm on to her. <laughs> Look, I'm not a plumber, but I've got a toilet. You know what I mean? So I thought it was really interesting that Olga got four, four votes, Mia got two votes, and Anita got two votes. And then they announced that the top two were Gigi and Ogla. And then they gave it to Gigi, to which Ogla said, but I won. I know. And I then she said, they're scared of my creativity. Episode two is the start of Olga as the villain of the series. I think it's because she doesn't understand certain cultural differences. They use that against her to make her look like the enemy. I also think that they just hate her and make her look <laughs> the fool. Like, there is a part, and again, don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but she makes this thing in a later episode where it's like a heart in the shape of, like, it's a New York heart, and she's like, when I was in New York, it was a terrifying time. You know, there was a lot of beauty in the world. There was a lot of terror in the world, and I think that this art, like, reflects all of that. They're like, cool, add sparkles. It's like, well, what? you're not even listening to her. Like, I feel like they have established her as, you're dumb, you're the outsider, we hate you, you're probably working for Putin, question mark? We're not going to respect you or listen to you or care about what you do or who you are. And it felt like she could not win from the jump, and I felt so bad for her. And by the end, spoiler, she does not win the show. When she gets kicked off, I was like, I feel bad for her because she never had a chance to shine. Okay. However, I do need to jump in. Her version, get it together, Debbie. Her version of New York City Christmas is basically a hypodermic needle in an alley. And I'm not sure she encapsulated New York Christmas with that. But like in the background, there's a rainbow because there's also hope. We'll talk about that nightmare when we get to it. However, before... Before that, we have Jonah's all-time two favorite words, Team Challenge. Ugh, oh my god. Okay, well, first off, Cheryl needs to stop saying for the first time in rap battle history. <laughs> oh yeah, no, 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 I wrote that down too, because that this is the episode. I don't know if they say it in episode one. At the end, we're going to crown the first ever rap battle challenge. I'm like, you got, like, this is not getting picked up for season two. Like, I guess enjoy it now, but like, man, oh man. But like, you you can't say this is the first time in history Hurtful. when it's the first season of something. That doesn't make sense. There weren't previous seasons. Stop saying maybe, first maybe annual. Maybe like in your head, Cheryl, there were multiple seasons, but no, not for the rest of the world. One of the more fascinating things here was that because Gigi won for her diorama, she was allowed to pick her team first. So she stacked her team, alternating with Agla. She picked Eddie, Anita, and Joe, leaving the other team to be Agla, Kimberly, Anthony, and Mia. One team sings Christmas songs to stay cheery. The other team shouts, Game face is on, put it away. Let it all go. Let it go. This is amazing. This is art at its highest point. We have Team Tape and Tinsel with Gigi, Eddie, Anita, and Joe. And then we have the Elite Boutique with Agla, Kimberly, Anthony, and Mia. Which, Kevo, I think that gave you one of your favorite moments in TV ever. Yeah, that word elite, that certainly sounds familiar, doesn't it? When they realize suddenly that that's the name of Olga's company and her response is... So branding one one baby. Here's something that I can say interacting with what you were talking about earlier, Joey, and and feeling like this is this is where I understand people being against Olga. I made a list of Olga's stupid ideas at the top of this for what she thought their boutique should do. Include on the card our fingerprints. Maybe create a song or a story asking each customer for a word. Make our customers write their own card with maybe paint. 
Now, those are all lovely branding, boutique, uh, very classy, expensive ideas. That's not what this challenge is. Olga is someone who refused to conform or compromise her ideals based on being in this reality show competition. And that's something that I feel is also what she does later in the challenge next episode that we were talking about with the New York City skyscape. And it's something we see repeatedly from her, where it's not that her ideas are even bad, and I think people are a little bit too antagonistic toward her ideas at their core, but she's also a little bit too stubborn when being told by everyone else, no, this is also a speed challenge. We need to be wrapping gifts quickly. We can't be doing things like putting fingerprints on cards. You you need customers coming in and out. And Olga literally tells them, no, that's not personal enough for me. Well, but that's not what the challenge is. And now you're compromising it for the rest of your team. And I feel like that was best highlighted in this challenge. That Agla decided that her job was to, as they repeatedly referred to it, solicit clients as they toiled away. And goddamn, if I literally didn't think she was actually a saboteur, that moment where she tried to force that child onto Joe, that was the strangest, she's never seen an elf before. I don't think that that really was sabotage. You're going to blame the child? (laughs) I don't think that was actually sabotage, though. I think she was just... I think she's just weird. I don't know. I heard she works for Putin. (laughs) Trying to get it started. Trying to get it going. (laughs) One, it's she's one of those people that creates art, but she gets mad when you tell them that there are certain parameters. We see it a lot on Runway, where there are certain designers that are like, my designs are my art. I don't like making things for specific people. I just want to make my art and put it like put it out there. And it's like, no, that that you're you're not a designer then to me. You're not designing clothes. You design clothes for other people. You don't design clothes for yourself. It's kind of what Olga's doing. You see it a lot where she kind of just wants to do what she wants to do art because she gets bored. I understand that, but that's not the competition. And you bringing up the stupid ideas that Olga tries to make her team do. A lot of the conflict. Hashtag no color on this commentary. A lot of the people that Olga has conflicts with aren't actually on her team. It's everybody else on the other team that hates Olga. She's a shit starter. She goes around and is like, shit, shit to start it. And I think what you're saying about Olga and the way that she presents herself goes to the heart of what I think is the bad side of this whole hobby. Competitive gift wrapping and ostentatious gift wrapping is very much making a gift about yourself instead of making it about the person that you're giving it to. There are ways you can do it right and not make it about yourself if you're making the gift wrap be something for the person. But like you said, Olga's making it about what Olga wants it to be, and she's not really considering her customer base when they're deciding how they want to attack this challenge. Well, speaking of attack, I thought Mia was going to actually attack Agla, and I thought she was going to go right back at her. As Mia has mentioned, this is what she does for a living. (laughs) So they should be listening to her. I like when challenges make sense for what you're trying to do. And that I mean, this is an actual challenge that if you're trying to make it in the gift wrapping industry, you should be able to do. You should be able to know how to design your own boutique, how to get customers. I just thought it was so weirdly paced of like everybody, they're only allowed 30 minutes in the workroom to grab everything and to come up with an 
idea on the spot, and it's a lot to do, even though there are four people. You have four people who are trying to get all their ideas across, because even though Agla and Gigi pick the teams, there's no team leaders. So I, I wish there yeah, was exactly. I wish there was a little more time given to them. I know it makes for better TV to see people stressed and all that, but if you want to make better art, which is what a lot of the ju- times it feels like the judges are making critiques about, give them more time to do things. Like an overnight rap Yes, challenge? that's exactly what I meant. Give them 24 hours to rap. When was this filmed? Was this filmed last holiday season? They stored it for a year? Or was this done like in November? Like, did they were they shooting this as they were putting it out? Because this is like a, it's it's a seasonal thing, right? Yeah, we can right? figure that out either. So I thought one of the things that was the most interesting was they very frequently paid more attention to the interpersonal drama than they paid to the actual narrative of like rap wars or whatever. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Except they did go out of their way to single out that the mistakes made in setting up Elite's booth were on my precious Anthony in a way that did choreograph that I felt like if it came down to Anthony and someone else, it would definitely be Anthony. So when it became this weird, super intense, passive aggressive off at the judging and everybody got like super shitty with one another, I wasn't surprised to see my precious Anthony go. However, Joe's hysterical sobbing at Agla's continued inclusion on the show (laughs) was one of the highlights of my holiday season. He sobbed. Well, I want to say first that I think it's amazing that the thing we decided to cover for our holiday treat before kicking off Star Wars was something that included a battle over a galaxy of stars. Oh my god. She said, galaxy of stars one more time, and then Cheryl being like, what is the galaxy of stars? And Mia referring to it as the gift that keeps on giving. The the gift that won't stop giving. Goodness Um, gracious. My my one thing that I actually kind of felt bad for Anthony was he was given a lot of tasks. Why was Anthony the only one given the task of putting things up? He was responsible for putting all of the gifts up behind them that weren't ready when he needed to put them up, as well as doing the entirety of the outside. That seems really, that felt really unfair to me, that one person on a team of four was responsible for everything, and it's what got sent him home. Hey, you know it's early favorite syndrome, you know, if everybody thinks you're capable, you offer to take it on to shine. And there's one quote that I'd be remiss to not point out. It's not in the spirit of what we do as rappers. Oh my god, that's something I want to talk about. Wanda not understanding reality TV. (laughs) Elite Boutique is the producers what they want. Will it it work out for them in front of God? I mean Wanda. (laughs) Like, Wanda getting upset that they threw them under the bus? Then don't ask that question of who do you think should go home. That's all that question is designed to do, is to stir up drama, make people antagonize one another, and to get people's emotional reactions. Don't berate someone for doing exactly what you wanted them to do it was such a weird pointed like comment about it i have to give it to her that i think that she is one of the most poised and graceful people i have ever seen in a bad situation but i don't think that she understood as deeply as perhaps cheryl did or carson did that reality tv is here for drama you'll note that you constantly see interviews with cheryl and carson sitting next to each other you don't see interviews with Wanda throughout this series, do you? And Carson and Cheryl came armed for bear. Can we get a f- one episode of a whole day of watching Cheryl walk around a mall? <laughs> yes. That was part of the art. 
I need that as a web series companion to rap battle. She sits in a massage chair and she watches a train goes by. And she's like, this is the best day ever. You know, she has an Emmy award, right? She's an Emmy award winning host. Uh, she won an Emmy of the show, The Talk. Mm, fascinating. So the winning team here was Gigi's team, Tape and Tinsel with Eddie, Anita, and Joe. And the losing team was Olga's Elite Boutique with Kimberly, Anthony, and Mia. And voted off the island this week, unfortunately for us, was Anthony. Ugh, Anthony, you're so beautiful. Call us. It's It'll be okay. We were devastated, but as we mentioned, none were nearly as devastated as Joe. Everyone, like, Joe was sobbing the hardest, but he wasn't even the only person that was crying, really, in reaction to this. This is the most extreme reaction I have ever seen to someone not being cut from a reality competition. Yeah, someone not being or someone being cut, I couldn't explain it, but there was some sort of, like, we thought maybe no one would have to go home this week unless it was Agua. Like, they thought the rules were gonna change Guys, it has been some hell of an experience unwrapping the first night of Rap Battle with you. And until we return for the next night of Christmas, I can't imagine anything more I'd like in my stocking than where everybody can find you on the internet, Joey. Well, you can find me at cageclub.me slash joey or at soulpop just about everywhere. Every Tuesday, new episode of Too Fast, Too Forever. Every Friday, uh, we do the Tom Tom Club, alternating Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks movies. Uh, just go to cageclub.me, poke around, and just say hi. And it is such a pleasure to be a part of this incredible network. And as you'll hear in our rather effusive love song to you in our Exes for Podcast holiday sign-off, it has been such an amazing opportunity to grow myself personally and my brand. Brand through your network this last year and whether it's html now and again exes for podcast or anything i ever get to appear on it is such a blast being on your network oh well thank you for being here well thank you and it's been an amazing opportunity to bring in this incredible voice jonah thanks for coming in and covering some rap battle with us and until we start to throw tinsel at more presence where can everybody find you on the interwebs oh well thank you for having me if you'd like to hear more of me and hear me discuss comics with nico you can check me out on X is for podcast. If you want to reach out to me online, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah. So, Kevo, Kevo, my Christmas tree, my my O'Tannon bomb, my sleigh bell, my what child is this, my jingle bell rock, my Christmas shoes. Other than next to me and sitting in my lap, you big ho ho ho. Where can everybody find you? <sighs> I mean, Joe threw a pillow. That's how upset he was. I have never seen that on reality TV before in my life. (sighs) (laughs) I'm probably still going to talk about this a little bit more over on the Facebook page for Husbands Talking More or Less, which you can find on Facebook at Real Nico Kevo Action, which is also where you can find our joint Instagram and Tumblr, but not Twitter, which you can find instead at Real Nico Kevo Ack, A-C-K. You can find my personal accounts on Insto and Twitter at Kevo Reilly, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. And you can find the super cool, super fun, super inclusive superhero stories that we tell over at KidRideComics.com. Nico, where can the folks find you? No one asked, right? That's my job? All right. You guys can find me eating my way into a diabetic coma, inhaling all of the Christmas tree cakes I can get my goddamn hands on until this gorgeous season is over. You guys can find me all over Instagram, eating everyone's cake. (laughs) 
You guys can find me all over this amazing network on shows like HTML or Access for Podcasts, as for mentioned. Don't forget to check me out on Instagram at Nico Action. It's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And you can check out our X-Men news resource over at WearKrakoa.com. Thank you guys so much for joining us for the first episode of Rap Battle. And until we return to see more incredible Pan Am wastefulness, we'll see ya. Bye. Well, you know, the season is very and bright, and it's the HTML holiday special time. Kiko, Kevin, and Jonah bringing you that holiday smile. Also, Joey. Yeah.